0: This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Podcast, episode number five.
1: Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more.
0: How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's interview, I chat with Jim Teeny, who has been involved in steelhead fishing for a long time. It goes back about 60 years in the fly fishing industry. Uh, today we talk about how Jim developed the first teeny nymph flies and how he developed some of the first sinking lines for steelhead. We also clear up some of the myths around I spot them, I got em and throwing rocks at fish. So, without further ado, here's Jim from jimteeny.com.
1: just i'd love to get into a lot of the history of, of fly fishing because jim you've been around for a long time and you've uh, pretty much seen this industry kind of as it's gone up and down and seen everything in between and we've been chatting a little bit about you know before we got on on air here about some of the the background so hopefully we'll touch on that um but yeah does that sound good just kind of dig it sounds
2: great dave it's good to see you and and uh We have a lot of history and go way back with families and yeah yeah. So thanks
1: thanks for thinking of me. You bet you bet yeah. That was and that's part of the thing. I everybody that I've been kind of connecting with has been I've had some connection. You know, obviously it's a small community, right? People that steelhead it it
2: really is. You know, and uh, we're trying to grow it, but you know I think it's got to the point where it's it's. uh, I think everybody's comfortable with what's going on and appreciate and respects it. So yeah. Good.
1: Well, I always love starting, you know, just kind of getting back. If you could bring us back to how you got into fly fishing and just maybe a quick little brief history of how you got started and how really the whole steelhead fly fishing, how that all came together for you.
2: Well, you know what? Um, back uh, when I was uh, 12 years old, my best friend, uh, Jim Bagley, moved from Portland, Oregon to Bend. And I would, we would always stay in touch and take Trailways bus, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. And one of my visits over there, uh, he was so excited when he picked me up. He says, "Come on, I want to show you what I'm doing." So we went into his bedroom and he had a desk and he had a a, a vice there, mm-hmm. and he put a hook in the vice and he tied up a fly. And I and I went, "God, that looks like fun." So I went to uh, Bob's Sporting Goods in mm-hmm. Bend, Oregon. Okay, now. Need to know, this is 1957, and there was one signal in all of Ben. Wow. One traffic light. So I go to Bob's Sporting Goods, buy my first vice and hooks and feathers. And, and uh, so Jim Bagley is the one that got me into the, okay. to the sport. Huh. And then um, it was uh, May of uh, 1962, and I was a junior in high school, uh, and we were going to go to East Lake. But the, the year prior to that, um, we were, and this is kind of embarrassing for me to talk about, but I'm with my uncle and my cousins and Jim Bagley, and we're trolling around Ford Fenders and worms ah, in Eastlake. Yeah. And I, it was so bad that I, I said, you guys, I can't do this. I said, just drop me off on the cliffs on the North Shore, and, and you guys take as much time as you want, and whenever, you just come get me, okay? And so they were happy to get me out of the boat and uh and i got on the shore and i looked out and man there were so many giant trout just cruising the shoreline in the springtime big browns big rainbows uh beautiful brook trout i mean it was awesome Uh and so but i couldn't get the really over 20 inches to bite the really big ones so that's when uh prior to the trip i'm home and um And I'm down on my dad's desk, and before, and this Dan Shocker and I were going to go to East Lake the next morning, right? And this would have been in in 62. So I sat down, and I tied up a bunch of flies, and then I ran upstairs, and I said to my dad, I says, Hey, Dad, what do you think of these, you know? And, And he goes, Well, they're pretty, he says, But I don't know if they'll catch any fish. He says, Why don't you just make something ugly? So I went back downstairs and I did lay out every piece of material that I could make a yeah. fly with. And the ring neck pheasant uh, huh. tail feather was the drab and ugly yeah. and, you know, I mean, it didn't catch your eye at all. And I thought, well, it's pretty ugly. So I, then I, I put a number eight hook in the vise and, and then I thought, well, you know, um, this is the feather. So I stripped off some fibers, tied it down the bud section because I thought, well, that's what I needed to do. And then I thought, well, how am I, I got to make a body, and then I, what do I, so I wrapped it around, and then I had these tips, or the, like yeah. the feelers, you know. Yeah. And I thought, well, I didn't want to cut them, so I bent them under, so it looked like it was, you know, really natural. Yeah. And I tied up, uh, and it looked buggy, yeah. it looked ugly, I know yeah. that. And yeah. then I, so I made about, I don't know, eight or ten of them, and I went back and I showed my dad, I said, what do you think of these? He goes, yeah, those look pretty good. So the best part of, the, of, the, of this story, Dan Shocker and I drive up early to East Lake. We get up there the next day. We hike around the shoreline, and we come down the shale down between the cliffs and uh, put our rods together. And, and I, I, I'm looking into my box, and I thought, well, I'll put one of these on. So I, I put it on, you know, and then I looked and I saw this beautiful male uh, rainbow, all alone cruising, coming my way, and he was he probably was probably five to six pounder, but you know, wow. I had never caught a trout that big, and here he's coming, so I thought, Well, so I cast out ahead and I just let the fly and the leader to kind of go down like that because it was gravel out there. And then when he got close enough, that I thought he could see it, I just started to crawl it back like that. He saw that fly, came right over there, and nice. just scooped it right up. I got so excited. I says, I got him, I got him, and, and he went to run, and I held on to the reel handle, and I broke him oh. off. I, I'll <laughs> never forget that. Uh, that was my first cast ever, wow. you know. And uh, then we went to Diamond Lake, and we did the same thing. And, <clears throat> you know, I mean, it, it's been a, an amazing pattern. But that's – and then I kept the fly a secret for nine years. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't start our business till July okay. 1 of 1971. 71, okay. And that was –
1: that fly that was the natural that you
2: got It was person. the natural, so natural yeah. And through and now we have like a lot of colors, but they all the colors came about through uh, fly fishermen saying, "Well, you need a black for a leech. You need an antique gold for a stone fly. You need an insect green for a damsel." And so that's how a lot of the colors were developed through the years was from requests from other anglers. And and it's so huh. and I know for sure that fish can tell color. Oh yeah. They may oh, not yeah. see it the way we do, yeah. but there's definitely and I, I mean I could yep. I could rehearse you know, dozens and maybe hundreds of times when I when yeah. I have a color and it's working, I take it off, put another one on, it doesn't, I go back the other one, it's working. Yep. You know, and it's right. just Makes it's how different. it is. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. But anyway, that's that's how we got started wow. in the industry and yeah. it's been been a great journey and so you so
1: on the flight tying. so you started tying pretty young 12 12 Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah and then and then steelhead fishing came (laughs) along not too
2: far well actually that that year was when i got my first steelhead and it was uh, on a lure with my dad on the toodle river in washington Mm -hmm. and uh and and it was like a dream for me to get a steelhead oh my god Mm -hmm. i mean just on anything and then i and then um Then I got um, my first steelhead that I actually took on a fly was a winter run, Mm -hmm. and it was from the upper Kalama River, Mm -hmm. and it was in 1968. Okay. So in January 1 of 1969, I made a New Year's resolution that no matter how or when or where that I was going to fish, I was going to do it only with a fly rod. And I have never broken that, that resolution. Cool. So I and I didn't start the business till July one of seventy one. So two and a half years, I got into the sport of fly fishing just because that's what I wanted to do.
1: Yeah, you know, and, not
2: and, not because of business or anything. It's just because it was awesome. Yeah, and
1: back then, were you fishing? Uh, teeny nymphs and other flies, or was it just?
2: I was tying up some other uh, different brighter patterns, yeah. and tr- you know, and then. But I remember um, <clears throat> how I realized that the the teeny nymph was going to catch a lot of fish, and I didn't really know it that it was going to catch a lot of things other than trout. You know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, mm-hmm. but we were uh, we were on the Kalama River in the winter, and it was cold, a little bit of snow on the ground, stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it was like. My friend Don Anderson and I were the fly fishermen against my uncle Bill and my cousin Mitch. They were gear fishing. So we had, we used to bet, like first, biggest, most. Right. Well, we were all, all the way up. Nobody caught a fish. We were already up to a triple bonus. That was like $3 just for, you know. So anyway, I, I open up my box, and I, I see a number two teeny nymph that I tied up. And... It was natural, of course. You yeah. know, I thought, well, I'll put it on. First cast with that fly huh. coming down there, my line stops, and it is the most gorgeous, probably eleven, twelve pound chrome winter run. Huh. And I'm fighting it, and we're so Donnie and I are so excited because right we can land this sucker. We got, we're gonna just clean house, Jeez. right? Well, somehow, uh, whether there was a beaver or whatever upstream, here comes this limb floating Mm. down in this low, clear water, you know. And it came down. I didn't see it until it was too late when I got on my line, and then it went all the way down to the fish. Well, just the fish just panning. You know, I mean, here comes this limb coming down at him, and uh, and it opened uh, the hook. Oh, yeah. I mean, fighting and fighting got off. And I'll yeah. never forget my Uncle Bill. He goes, that darn fish, but I knew what he meant. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think is the, uh, I mean, with the team, what, what makes it such a such an effective pattern, do you think?
2: You know, I really, honestly, I, it's very simple pattern. So for most people that want to tie it, it's it's not that difficult. Yeah. And when you get the basics down. And I'll provide a
1: link in the show notes to some, uh, where they can see these flies that we're talking sure, about.
2: Here. Yeah. Sure, sure. And uh, and but I think what I, I think it profiles nicely, and I think really it's more a suggestive pattern mm-hmm. than one that would duplicate anything. But it looks like something that uh, I, I don't, it's not offensive to the fish, and it may look like something that trout, bass, or bluegill can feed on. And for steelhead and salmon, you know, you don't know whether they're feeding or they're hitting out of territorial right. or anger or. Yeah you know. Yeah. Uh But I will say this, on the Kalama River years ago when I first started you know, with the, the fishing for steel with the teeny nymphs, mm-hmm. I watched the summer runs, On and when I was using the natural, I actually watched some of them grab my fly yeah. and go like this yeah. with their mouth trying to crush it, sure. trying to get the larva uh, out, but thinking it was like a stone. Cool. Yeah, like, a, yeah. the you know, on the crawlers on the, you see yep. them on the rocks. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he was, they were, they were trying to crush it. Yep. And I thought, huh. well, well that's feeding, mm-hmm. you know? And yep. uh, so that was pretty interesting wow. for me.
1: That is, that is impressive. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. You, when you think about salmon, especially you always, you know, here, you know, salmon aren't feeding when they get in fresh water and people talk the same about steelhead. But I think it's just a little bit different with steelhead. I think that they probably do a little, a little bit more feeding, when they're out there in the river, and that's probably why your patterns work so well. And yeah. for trout, too, just the fact that it's pheasant tail, I mean, that's a that's a great material to use for any you yeah. know, the pheasant tail, the beadhead pheasant tail, all those flies, they're all great patterns.
2: So, you know, the original pheasant tail nymph, mm-hmm. uh Sawyer, I think is yeah. one that okay. okay. So when we were back in England many years ago, uh Peter Cockwell, who's our very dear friend, got it arranged that I got to fish the river test. Huh. the river that he fished and i and I got to fish it with our, our my teeny fly oh, cool. and and then he wrote a big article for uh, for England oh nice um, there what it was really was kind of it was history for me yeah so yeah. that so, so the
1: the tail was actually created in England. Yeah. And you fished and, the same river where the guy mm, that created it. Yeah. Oh,
2: wow. And I didn't even huh. know anything about the pheasant tail when I tied the team. Okay, yeah. Because he did other things to it, you know. Sure. All yeah. I did was just wrap yeah. the feather yeah. around. And I'm
1: trying to think. The difference is, I mean, your pattern, and, was, and actually I tied one last, a couple last night, just because it's been so long since, and yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I tied, I had a whole box of team nips, you know, because I was just, it was, you know. And, uh, and I hadn't tied them in a while, and I tied one last night. And the great thing about it is it is so silly. I just tied the basic, like you said, mm-hmm. the first pattern, which is just you wrap around the body, and then you stick the legs underneath. Mm-hmm. And now you also do double, kind of where
2: you have two Yeah, the double body, body is all. like a size four. Yeah, you have mm-hmm.
1: a, bunch in a different variant. Maybe you can talk a little bit about your different variations. Yeah, and if we,
2: a t- if we put put a a if we originally put a tail on it yeah. before we do the body, yep. then it becomes a leech. Yep. And now we're using different colored threads to make it an egg sucking lead, yeah. or I okay. mean, so we we've changed it up a bit, and and uh, and they were and they really are subtle but really nice improvements. Yeah, yeah, uh, they are definitely. That's yeah, cool. Um, so
1: I get a lot of questions from beginning, you know, uh, people that are just getting started with steelhead fishing, and I think the sinking line um, topic can be confusing. Can you explain maybe your sinking line system that you have and all your lines and how maybe somebody getting new, how they might use those for steelhead and maybe just go a little history. Well,
2: you know, uh, I'll start out with saying that if anybody gets into fly fishing and they start, they almost always start with a floating line. That'd be the easiest line to learn to cast and to, to do everything. And it's all totally visual. But when you get more serious and you want to catch more fish and you want to hook more consistently, then you need to go to a sink tip or a sinking line because they're not always going to come up to the top mm-hmm. or be close. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so back uh, in 83, 1983, I came out with our original T-Series lines. And it changed fly fishing for the world forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, and my wife, Donna, when we were up in Alaska, I don't want to get sidetracked, yeah. but, oh. but she got a halibut, which is a holding world record. It's not that it was a big one, but she got it on one of our big lines in 100 feet deep water huh. with our fly and the fly, the fly line. I mean, That's who would cool. ever think of a, yeah. being 100 feet deep to get a, a fish on a fly?
1: And that gets into a whole another discussion, which I want to have a little bit later as yeah. far as that. Because not yeah. only Steelhead, but you've caught a lot of fish, different oh, species. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: So so anyway, what the what my thought about the lines mm-hmm. prior to eighty three, we were always having to cut and splice lines, and the very first deep water express lines yeah. were made for me to test out because Howard West, what used to be in charge of uh, scientific anglers and three M, and he wanted to fish with me, so he came out here in the winter. And uh, and we went fishing, and after a few days, we caught a few fish. Didn't light up the water, but we did land a, a few. And he, he says to me, he goes, "Well, what do you think of our sinking lines?" And I says, "Well, Howard, I says they're the best sinking lines available. But if you want to, you know, fish our big rivers and our big waters, you need a line that'll sink two to three times faster than your high speed high D lines." Hmm. He went back, and they made the Deepwater Express and mm-hmm. sent them out to me. I, I immediately took the uh, the tip sections. You know, I took three feet off of each end instead of having a thirty foot shooting head. I made it twenty four, much easier to handle. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then I, I uh, you know, like Albrighted it to a level running line. Yeah. And I can say honestly, I uh, it probably safely tripled my fish hookups. Mm simply because I was able to get the fly down yeah. to the zone where they're where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it it just changed my fishing. So then as the years went by, I said, well, you know, that was back in the 70s. And I said, well, why don't you guys make a line that's all one piece? And that was to uh, uh, Bruce Richards. I said, why don't you make a line where the running line and the head are all, all together? He came back, says, I don't think we can make it, and I don't think it'll work. Well, I knew it would work, but I just... Laid back, waited probably five or six years, and then I could see technology get better. Hmm. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to approach them. But I said, I don't want you to make it for yourself or Orvis or anybody else. Just, this is my line. Well, in order to uh, order private label lines way back then, yeah. you had to order a 1,000 right. lines. Yep. Well, that's a big commitment. Sure. And and, and, I, and, I, and you're going to love this story. Yeah. But... Uh Ben Silknetter was our rep, and Ben says to me, he says, uh, and he, they were all trying to, and Howard, they were all trying to discourage me. And 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 so anyway, I woke up one morning and I told Donna, and I says, you know, I'm gonna do it. I don't think they realize how important these lines are for all of us at Flyfish. Mm-hmm. And so um I I said uh to I told Ben, and Ben goes, Who are you gonna sell them to? And I says, Well. I says GI Joes. He says Jim, they carry SA in Cortland. Do you think they're going to add your line? I said, Well, they carry all of our other products. I would hope so. And then I says, and then Doug Stewart, you're Yeah. I said, What about Doug? And and he goes, Okay. So <laughs> Doug buys thirty lines. Who are you going to sell the other nine hundred and seventy two? And that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Oh, that's a little scary. Yeah. Anyway, I placed the order. Yeah. And but I but I and, you know and and um, I'm very very proud of this. In the first year, we sold just shy of four thousand lines. No kidding. And, yeah. Wow. It was just Jeez. it was an instant deal. I mean, huh. the the best anglers in the world, Lefty Craig. Yeah. He said, Jimmy, I wouldn't go anywhere in the world without a T three hundred. He says it saved my bacon in so many places. Wow. You know, and so and and we had. We had the the best of the best fishing our lines and loving it, so I'm very proud of that contribution mm. to the sport of fly fishing. Yeah. You know, and it cha- it changed everything.
1: What yeah. were before those lines were out, what were you guys doing to, to get down to the fish? You had to
2: they had to do like the Deepwater Express. The, the splice. And I trimmed yeah. it down and spliced yeah. so, it and that's what we had to and do. And the deep water, how long were those around? <clears throat> I don't think it was around for quite a while. Mm. They were for a while because I think it was the late seventies when Howard came out. Okay. Here, you know, yeah. and okay, and mid to late seventies, probably, yeah. probably, probably the late seventies. Yeah. yeah. And so that line, that line, when they, I mean, see what it is? It's tungsten in the coating of the line, yeah. so it's environmentally safe, but it just delivers, you know, your fly mm-hmm. where it needs to be yeah. to make longer, better oh, yeah. presentations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: So, um, so yeah, so if you were, so if somebody was going to, right now, they wanted to go out and do some winter steelhead fishing, say they're in a, maybe get a line that's all around, something that's kind of your, not super high water, not super low, but something that's going to, what would be the one line you would you would tell them that they're going to get a sinking line from, you know, from
2: Well, your if service? they were throwing an 8, 9, or a 10-weight yeah. rod, and they were going to go to the Sandy or the Clackamas mm-hmm. or, you know, Calama, stuff like that. I'd probably recommend a, a T-400, okay. a T-300 or T T-400. Uh, uh, the T-400 uh, works on an 8, 9, or 10 weight. And many years ago, back in uh, 86, I did a video called Catching More Steelhead with Scientific Anglers. And they said, Jimmy, you can use only two of your lines. Which two do you want to use? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I want to use the 5-foot mini tip and a T-400. So in that, in that award-winning video, that's the two lines that I fished with and caught all those, those big steel that I mm-hmm. cool. was at.
1: And the 400 um, is connected to the green weight.
2: Yeah. It's 24 foot of Deepwater Express. Uh, and, and the advantage of our teeny lines and the, the T-series and the TS-series, which is just a longer version, okay. Is there's no knot, there's no splice, yeah. there's no hinging. so you don't have anything going back and forth through your guide, boom, boom, mm. boom, you know, click, yeah, click, click, click. Sure, sure. You have none of that. It's yeah. all smooth transition
1: mm-hmm. from
2: one color to the next. Yeah. I color coded the line so you could you you could see visually you knew where you were and where the balance of the line was. And they're <clears throat> honestly, um I mean I know other <clears throat> excuse me, I know other companies have uh, have tried to, you know, copy our lines and Mm -hmm. try to improve on them. But I'll be honest with you, Dave, if I could have made them better, I would have done it. Yeah. They are perfect lines.
1: And they're the same, pretty much the lines you came out with in the 80s. They are.
2: They're perfectly balanced. Yeah. And if it's windy, you can still cast in the wind. You know, there's absolutely no disadvantage to having a one-piece line that'll do all the things it'll do. Yeah. You know. And plus, uh, you know, like for an example, if you took a, a T300, you could throw it on a, on a 7, 8, 9, or 10. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like it has to be for an 8 weight or it has to be for a 9 weight. Right. You know, so I, we did a lot of testing on these lines and found out where. So it loads a 7, doesn't really load a 10, but it casts perfect because mm-hmm. the lines are, are balanced,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. So and does do the do lines kind of um, coincide at all with like the whole spay lines or spay casting, or they could use them on a? a
2: well, some of the some of the lines that uh, uh, our friend Mark Bachman had told me, yeah, he says some of the spay lines that have come out are they're kind of like variations and knockoffs of your original design, mm. and they've incorporated them into spay, mm. you know. Yep. So right. so it's really um, yeah, you know it's. Uh, I think we're all out there trying to have a good time yeah. catches. I love to hook fish, I mean so my time on the water is precious to me, yeah I don't always have to hook a ton of fish, yeah but but if I can and I'm there, and the fish are there, I want to rack up numbers. Yeah. I enjoy it, yeah, you know, rather than just be casting all day. Right. You know, I know I can cast, yeah. so now I, yeah. <laughs> now I've got to figure them yeah. out, so that's
1: right um, so I, you know I, I know I've watched some of them you gave me. Thanks for uh, giving me the video of the Breaking uh, Traditions. I, and I know it's been a long time since I've seen that. But, um, you know, I know there's um, – that's part of the I spot him, I got him, right? That yes. Whole, that, um, I don't know if you want to call that a uh, marketing sort of thing. But Oh, I have people still to this day, hey, I remember you. Exactly. I so, spot
2: him, I got yeah, him. So it
1: was a great, was, so was a great marketing uh, tactic. But uh, so part of that was – and maybe just – Clarify a little bit on that video because I know it was there a little bit of controversy, like the was there like a rocky? Oh, refresh? no, there was no purple. Maybe you can explain because I know I was talking <laughs> to somebody recently and they were saying something about you know there was some rocky, you know, that whole thing. So maybe clarify for the record, like what that was all about because I'm kind of coming from not knowing
2: exactly. Oh, you know what? Um, there was a section in there. Well, actually, let me go just a little bit ahead yeah. of that because in yeah. 1983. Jim Zumbo from Outdoor Life, you know, it's a really good okay. friend, he brought, he brought him out here. Uh, he caught his first steelhead, and we we've, we've fished and got salmon, and his first salmon. But anyway, he writes an article for Outdoor Life magazine, and then he calls me up one day, and he goes, you're going to hate me. And I says, what? Because you know, we're like brothers. I mean, he's a great. We're really close. And and he says, well, they they named the article back in New York, you know, the one I wrote about you. And I says, yeah. So what did they name it? he goes, this man throws rocks at fish. <laughs> and I really? Go, and, I, and I says, "Really?" There you go. And he goes, "Yes." So anyway, here comes this article. It's a steelhead article, and what do they do? They have me with a picture holding a king salmon from Alaska and it's a steelhead article. Huh. So anyway, here's the deal. I'm going to clarify that right now about yeah. this man throws rocks at fish. I do not throw rocks at fish. <laughs> All right. I throw I have thrown rocks above or below them to move them into another spot, yeah. so where it's easier to catch them. But I never yeah. throw rocks right. at fish. Yeah. It's no different than waiting out there or sure. a boat coming over how fish move. Yeah. But but I remember my yeah. my I'm going to make it short. But my experience with Zumbo, we're on the Washougal River in Southwest Washington. So I take him out there and I get and I says Jim, I said, see this there's five or six steelhead right there in this big pool. I said, but you see that riffle up there? I says, I'm going to throw a rock below them and see if they'll move up. And if they move up, they won't go catch them. He never said a word. Yeah. I threw a rock out there. <laughs> they moved right upriver. Yeah. They moved right in. I mean, it was like perfect, right? Yeah. And I said, well, let's go catch them. And he never said a word. we get up there. I think I made three casts and I landed two. Huh. And I said, Zembo, come on, catch your first steelhead. He makes a, a cast or two, boom, and he gets one. He goes, I would never have ever believed this, Yeah, you know. And that's, I think, where he got yeah. this, this yeah. man throws rocks. Yeah. But uh, but it really does work. Yeah. I, I'm, de- I'm not telling you uh, people to go do it, and sure. now I don't do it anymore because, you know, right now I, we've got lines now, and our techniques and our style are so advanced that, that we can do a lot of things that we couldn't do way back
1: then, yeah. you know. Yeah, so you were basically, so you were spotting them, and then yeah. you couldn't fish for them in a certain spot, so you'd kind of try to get them up sure. in the place you could. Yeah, yeah, that's that makes all. Sense.
2: Yeah. either move them up or down or, yeah. you know, something yeah. like that, Yeah,
1: but but not that's at right. the fish. <laughs> right. and, and that is a good point, is that wading across the river is no different than throwing a rock down below. No, you
2: which, see fish moving yeah. out, you yeah. know, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. It's just, So when yeah. you were kind of spotting the fish, I mean, that was probably something that you did quite a bit coming into a run. Oh. You would try, if you could, you would...
2: Spotters. I'm telling you I took fishing and treated it like I was hunting. Because when I said if I spot them I got them, I really meant that. I mean it doesn't happen 100% of the time, mm-hmm. but it's such a high percentage. If you really can see the fish, you can you can know where you need to cast, how to present your you know your fly to the fish, where you should be standing and and everything and you can see how they react because there's been times when I've actually, uh, like, say, uh, say, for example, summer runs. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm fishing and they're letting, letting the fly come by. As long as they don't move or get nervous, you know, yep. then I'm going to have a chance. And I'll change mm-hmm. sizes or colors or whatever or where I stand. But, but I've noticed on, uh, I probably have seen this four or five times on fish, mm-hmm. that when their fins start to get, you know, just a, a little, they start to move a little bit like that, and I and I said to myself he's either going to take the fly or he's going to be gone and I'll never see him again. Yeah. Quite often they're they're at that point that bring that yeah. fly by one more time and I'm going to nail it. That's it. I've had a couple of them just dart out, you know, yeah. they they this is more than I can handle. Yeah. But more times not, but if you see the fish start to get like he's just a little bit antsy, yeah. He's hopefully going to take your fly. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it again. So
1: if just thinking about the flies again, if you had to take for steelhead fishing three flies, three patterns, what, what would they be?
2: Well, I, I would. Um, for example, if I was going to go steelhead fishing, my my three favorite—I co- have four. Can I have four? Uh, okay, <laughs> go, go for four. it. Yeah, okay. It it would be the black, the insect green, the antique gold, and the ginger. Hmm. And those four colors are pretty much my go-to flies. And and. And then you could tie them in the double body or the single bodies of six, but the double mm-hmm. bodies of four. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to make them into a leech, you could just add a tail yeah. on them. But those those colors, like for example, the insect green is a is one of the best summer steel colors. And the antiquals right there, and of mm-hmm. course, black is always good. Mm-hmm. But the ginger, when we can see fish, and uh, and you're wondering where that fly is and how your presentation's going. Because there's been days that the ginger is so good that it's just unbelievable. And mm. what, it, what the advantage of it is kind of like an off-white kind of a creamy mm. color. But when you take a dark river bottom and then you run the ginger on it, mm. no, none of the other colors show up like that. Mm. This, it just, you can see it. Right. And you can track your fly. And I remember we used to even use the ginger up at uh, East Lake from the shore. Because you can see the fly and you see these trout swan and then all of a sudden you see your fly disappear <laughs> and, and you set the hook before you even feel them. You know, wow. I've done that with steelhead and salmon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they got it. Yeah. and It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. I'm going to set awesome. the hook. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you have, uh, are there any, do you tiny, like, I guess the leech is the bigger pattern. Do you tiny, uh-huh. like, kind of mega? You see some of these steelhead flies, especially out there, like for winter steelhead that are big and. Bulky and long. Oh yeah, like the tube flies and yeah, things. Yeah, and all that stuff. Dude.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, we only we only tie them up to size two on our custom hooks, mm-hmm. and they're probably about yeah, you so know, this long. Sure, but they're not the the the, the yeah, bigger got, ones yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, they, and I found, and I've really found that the king salmon, uh, they love our flies. I yeah. mean, they literally love them. Mm. And I've had I've had like three days for sure. I can tell you that I've actually personally hooked over fifty kings in a day. Jeez. You know, and one of them was down on the Trask River in the oh, Oregon really? Coast. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Just racked them up. Uh-huh. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 exciting. Our system now is is so deadly with the lines and and flies and our presentations and everything. Yeah. But one of the things that that we learned as we fished is that uh, in moving water uh, and and as long as the fish aren't too spooky. A short leader is better, like a four foot leader, mm-hmm. and I've gone down as short as two foot, mm-hmm. but uh, but on an average about a four foot leader. I doesn't mean you got to measure it out to forty eight right. inches, but but you what it what it is is when that sinking is sinking mm-hmm. and coming down, it's taking your fly down and you're getting a longer, better pre- presentation. Yeah, that's right. So if you had a seven and a half to nine foot leader. Your line may go down, but by the time it gets your flight in it's just a yep. short little window, and right. you, you probably went over them. Yeah, so. definitely. And you mm-hmm. don't see them fish spooking that much with
1: a short lead. I guess the water is usually. They don't, over. because
2: yeah. all of our sinking sections on our teeny lines are black. Uh-huh. And and it and it doesn't scare them, and it doesn't seem to make them nervous. Yeah. The only exception I'll, I'll, I'll give you on that is that if fish are in a pool, very slow water, you know, moving, it, and they could be steelhead or salmon, mm-hmm. and they're suspended. So they're not all on the bottom. Yeah. They're kind of like, right. you know. So then right. we use the mini tip, oh, which yeah. is our weight forward floating with five foot of sink tip. Uh-huh. And we may go up to uh, sometimes nine foot, maybe to 11 foot. Oh, right. And so the the whole key to that is to just get your fly and part of the leader to come down by the fish because you don't want your line because they'll, they'll spook from the shadow oh, right. of your fly line coming mm-hmm. down. So you want your line back here and your leader and your fly to, yep. to come by. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um,
1: so if you're, you know, say you're new to a river, this is the first time you fish a river, how do you go about finding fish? I'm just thinking about, I have, you know, again, people that are kind of, have, they're struggling to find, you know, I've talked to somebody just, you know, recently that, that said, you know, somebody else was catching a lot of fish and they were out there and they couldn't catch a fish. Now, what do you do? If you, what do you tell somebody that's new to you know, maybe just getting into a, a river and wants to find a steelhead?
2: Well, that's a, uh, that's a really good point. I mean, it's a great question. And uh, and if I go to a new waters that I've never fished before, I, I personally, I think, I, I love to read water and understand it, but, uh, but sometimes, you know, I, the fish are different. I mean, you, you, one river might, they hold here, then the other river they hold here. <clears throat> but I look at other anglers and like that example you yeah. just said, here's a guy hooking a lot of fish. He obviously knows that, that spot.
1: Yeah,
2: He's not standing down where you are. He's standing where he is mm-hmm. because that's the place needed to be. So you need to log that down in your memory bank and remember. And the only thing that can change that, you know, from, you know, seasons but – also, water level. And when it it's high water, they're going to be one place they'll be in closer. And if it's low water, they'll be more toward the heads of the drifts or the deeper spots, mm-hmm. you know, for protection. Usually in early morning, they're in tail outs, you know, before the the sun comes up and they get disturbed, and mm-hmm. maybe again in the evening. Mm-hmm. But but uh, you can learn a lot by watching other anglers and, and then just kind of waiting around. But singling, the number one thing that helped me in my field fishing from mm. since I was 12, you know, and is wearing polarized glasses. Mm. Not, it gives you eye protection, safety from, uh, you know, seeing the, seeing where to step where not to step, right. where the fish are, where they are not. Uh, there's, there's no disadvantage to wearing polarized glasses, only advantages. Yeah. And safety. Yeah. And so, um, I think I learned more from watching how fish react, or you know, to something. I've seen them scare away, and yeah. I've, I've watched them stay there, and I've watched them turn and take, and I've watched them chase. And God, I mean, I love every bit of that.
1: Yep, yeah, that's know? pretty cool. So I guess yeah, the other thing with the polarized, element, if it's a really overcast, dark day, then I guess if you have glasses, it might be a little dark, but they do have yellow lenses too.
2: Yeah, my my favorite lens was the amber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. there's a brown lens and then there's kind of a rose lens. Yeah. I mean, those are other good, but the one that's a smoke color, kind of like a blue yep. gray, that one there, <clears throat> it, it, um, when it starts to get low light, it darkens, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the amp, the yeah. amber, whether I'm saltwater or freshwater, I, I really like it brightens my day.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <nice>. Uh, <clears throat> So you were mentioning
1: that uh, you've been in this about sixty years, or getting close to that in the fly fishing, yeah. give, or, give or take. I mean, what is what's kept you passionate about it for all these years?
2: Well, you know what? I I think I I love the challenge of it. I love the sport, and I love uh, the fact that there are there are fly fishermen all over the world. I mean, yeah. you know, in my travels, and I, you meet, and you know what? You always have something in common with them, and it's a it's a great bonding uh, sport, you know, yeah. and and I just I think I wish I, I don't. I actually I can't say that I wish it because I don't want to go out every time and hook fish and catch fish. But I've had some days that honestly people will look at me and like if I tell them what I did, they think you're lying. But I've had those days yeah. because we're fishing right, and the fish are there. They got to be there. If they're not there, you you can't do the number mm-hmm. game, you know. And there's days where if you go out and you have one, two, or three, you're happy and it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, so but, but it's the people, mm. it's the my mm-hmm. friends, and uh, I think the camaraderie is the most important part. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. you know, I mean, you yeah. you can have a mediocre day on the river, but you can have a great day.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, it's it's that's that's,
1: that's it. That's the bottom line. It is, and it's. <laughs> I think a couple of things when, when I hear you say that, I think my dad when he used to talk about guiding. And how there's a, you know, a couple of parts of you know the fishing can be bad, you know that that happens, but you know the camaraderie and you can still have a good trip because if you, because if you can still have that connection and, and the good you know have a good time there then it's you know that's that's a big part of it. Yeah. So and I think for me getting and I've done a lot of I've done a lot, I was telling you earlier I've done a lot of stuff kind of in the the online business you know world and uh, separate from fly fishing and you know and that's really what brings me back to this is that. It's different out there. People that aren't fly fisher, you know, fly fishermen, they they just have, you know, they're doing other things. And I think you just run into a lot of people that maybe aren't you. Know, you don't see eye to eye with. So I totally mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. I think that's probably the oh, big yeah. thing for me. What's really keeps me coming back too, and you know being able to connect with you and lots of people that I'm going to continue you know as I go you
2: know with these well, interviews. Well, you know, David, <clears throat> it really is a lifetime sport. You know. You know, fishing, and yeah. you know, I mean, and so, and then fly fishing is the—it's kind of the challenge thing. And I mean, there's mm-hmm. times where you, you know, you you make a cast, and and you and you think to yourself, "Wow, that was a good cast." Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? that's it's right. Like, you know, yeah, and, and I I did put that out yeah, there. That's know? right. <laughs> and it's it isn't always. This is one of the things that I think people really need to understand. It's not about distance. Yeah. On an average, it's it's all presentation. Yeah, you know, you know. I mean, if if a guy can cast eighty to a hundred feet, and here you got another person can only cast forty to sixty feet. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's making better presentations and control, he might hook more fish. Yeah, it's just it it's uh, it is impressive though. Like I found on saltwater, distance is really nice because you get more shots. Mm-hmm. If you, if he doesn't. You know, oh, yeah. you don't do it right, you get another shot and another but but uh oh, yeah. but on our kind of fishing that we're doing, it's uh, I, I can't tell you how many fish I've caught that have been maybe fifteen to thirty, forty feet. Hmm. Just not yeah. just not a big deal, but sure. it's just like get it in oh, yeah. there.
1: And that's part of the the fishing, yeah, like any type of fishing. You never always start out close first before you just walk out there across the fish. Absolutely. And work yeah. your way out. Yeah, that's a good point. Um what is your, um, you know? I guess you've done a lot of videos and lots of different uh, interviews. I mean, what is the your body of work? What what's something that sticks out as something that maybe you're most proud of through all those years? The things you've done. I mean, you got all these products and you got lines and flies. And is
2: there something that really sticks out that? You know, <clears throat> for me, for me, Dave, my my thought on that is that I. I am so proud that we have a lot of people that have supported us through the 46 years in the industry and the contributions that I've made. And I may not get the recognition that I did, but I honestly pioneered and changed fly fishing. Yeah. And, and, I, and I got literally thousands of West Coast anglers to uh, fly fish for salmon and mm-hmm. steelhead. Yeah. I mean, back yeah. in, the, in the late 60s, there, was, there wasn't even a handful of us. No. Do you know what I mean? No. And so huh. with the line design, the flies, and the, all the things, you know, that, that we've done and pioneered, like, yeah. um, it's, it's pretty much endless. Yeah. And I'm really proud of and it, it because cool. uh, when, when we find something that works or we did something that works, we shared it. We didn't yeah. just, you know, a lot of people keep it a secret. Yeah. Well, oh man, uh, this really worked. I'm not telling anybody, right. but that wasn't the way that I wanted to do it. I wanted other people to have the same success, mm-hmm. you know, or equal yeah. or better, whatever. Yeah. So, and yeah. that's just that's my reward. It's been a wonderful day, and I've met some of the greatest people in in uh, in our fly fiction industry yeah. and in the world, and that are that are share compassions, and we've we've taken some huge celebrities out, you know, you know, fishing. And we've had Eric Clapton and wow. Gary Brooker from Proko Haram and, you know, and three dog night, huh. Corey Wells. And I mean, I could, we could go on and on, yeah. but all, they all loved fly fishing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's great. So, that,
1: that is, that's probably the, again, it goes back to the relationships. I mean, at the end
2: of the day, you know, we're all here, we're doing all this stuff. We're It's yeah. about relationships. I remember uh, we went to the Kalama River and we, we stopped at the oak tree on the way back and we had John Denver hmm. uh, fishing with us and he was sitting there and we were having dinner and everybody could know, you could recognize, oh, yeah. very recognize, yeah. and, and I, I was so uh, pleased that nobody really came up and bothered him or uh-huh. let him enjoy yeah. his time, you know. Uh-huh. I thought it was very respectful of people. Yeah. It was really nice. That was, that was cool. Yeah. Was cool.
1: Um, so bring me back to a couple of like, word, the slaughter hole and Oh,
2: oh
1: take, take, take <laughs> everybody here back to that moment of, you know, w- what, what that was like being at, at that.
2: Point. I got to tell you, um,
1: and we're talking was probably
2: 1978, uh, okay. I think it was, and, and this, Wait, is on, this is the, yeah. Okay. So, so here, let's go to Cubits. Let's, let's talk about that first. Yeah, because your dad showed me cubits, mm-hmm. and he had a, a a slot in there. He called the no landum. The no-landum. You remember that? I that's know. what he. That's what he named it. He says okay. the no them You could hook them there, but it was fast right. water. I into. do remember that. They would just yeah. take off At and the, just go the tail yeah. out. Yeah, if you really actually did land one, that's you right. were patting yourself on the back and eh, I did yep. it, you know. Yeah. But uh, the slaughter hole <coughs> goes way back. to, I think it was seventy eight. Uh, this, uh, friend of uh, ours from, uh, Salem, uh, outdoor writer, he goes, Jim, he says, I need to get some pictures of, uh, landing steelhead with big, with nets. And I says, well, uh, come on up and we'll go see. So we went to the, I went to the slaughter hole with him and we're there and we're, there was hardly any places to stand. There were so many people on oh, both no, sides of no the kidding. river and, uh, <laughs> And this one guy, nobody, nobody was hooking a fish. And this one guy was uh, uh, fishing off this rock, and he got off, and he left. So, boom, I'm right there. I stand on the rock. I got my polarized glasses on. I'm not kidding you. I looked out there, and I went, oh, my God. I says, get your camera ready. All I could see were, were I could see 150, 200 steel. Jeez. And just they were just stacked huh. out there. Well, in short order, I hooked uh, three and landed two and released him. He got the pictures, and I says, "Do you have what you need?" And he goes, "Yeah, I do." So we left, uh, and you know what? I think your dad was the first one I called. Yeah. yeah, I says, "Doug," I says, "They're just stacked in the slaughter hole." Yeah. I says, "We gotta go." I says, <laughs> "I mean, I couldn't stop talking about it." And and so anyway, your dad and I, we were like. I think we landed in a short period of time over, I don't know, maybe a month and a half or so. We landed like 97 Jeez. steelhead between Jeez. us. And I remember I went there one day with my dad and uh, my dad and I, between the two of us, we had 32 steelhead one day wow. with our little nymphs. And, yeah. With and the, the lines. Yeah. It was just, honestly, it was uh, it was world class. And, and your dad and I have talked about it, but we, and everybody told us we put on a clinic. Yeah. Every time we were down there, we were just bang 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 yeah. bang. And you know, we, we um, your dad and I were like little kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. And, and you had
1: the same the same te- technique basically, using
2: one of your your yeah. sinking lines and mm-hmm. just kind of getting down there. And yeah. And well, back then we were making the oh that's that right. That, yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. That was prior to my you know to our line, so we did yeah. have the knot. Yeah. See, and the thing is, whenever you have a knot in yeah. your line, you got to make sure you don't pull it in oh, too yeah. far. Because yeah. if you do and yeah, it goes click, click, and then you go to cast it, it doesn't always – got to make sure that yeah. knot is beyond it. So that – we totally eliminated that with the yeah. T-series the, the right. and the t That's right. Nice. Um, so maybe
1: we get uh, to uh, – and I've just heard this. and Maybe – I'm not sure on the, the truth behind the world records or just the fl- – maybe you just talk about the, the flies or the, the fish that you've caught with the team. I mean, well, has, has it been – and you fished. Like you said, saltwater.
2: Oh, we've got tarpon and shark and barracuda. And, yeah, you know. And uh, in 2011, I went to Iceland and for atlantics, and I, uh, I I got lucky and I landed the largest one caught in Iceland mm. that year uh, in the whole country. Mm. You know, caught and released one. And um, and it was uh, the pattern has not let us down. It's been all over, and so. We were, years ago, we were pretty active with IGFA, International Game Fish Association. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, the more world records, this is great and everything. So we kept a bunch. And I don't know, I probably, through the years, probably held 12 or 15 world records. I don't hold any now. And Donna's Donna's holding four or five right now. But I I got away from that um, because, and I've watched Donna personally released at least, another dozen that would have been world records, but she didn't want to kill the fish. And so we just released them. Sure, You know, it's, it's, it's now we, we know, we know what we're doing, whether it's bone. She's caught bonefish up to 14 pounds. I fought a tarpon for four hours, 35 minutes. So we got right to the boat and, and the guide had the leader in the hand. So I took all the tension off. So I was done and it's considered a caught fish. But by our guide and two other guides, it was estimated at 250 pounds. And the world record right now on a fly is two hundred two. Huh. This is a giant. This is eight feet long. Jeez, because we had the, the you know, it, it was a. That was the best best battle that I'll ever have. Yeah. I mean, it was great. It was epic, and I was exhausted. But there's a man. Oh man, that was amazing. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, we chased him between six and seven miles and, and those in the were, boat, and those were caught on antique gold teeny leech. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. it was. It was really. So I watched this big fish take it, and and then uh, it could never jump all the way. It just come up and kind of breach, mm. you know, come up about halfway and just. It only yeah. did that a couple of times, and uh, but it was it was. And Steve Dorn was with, oh, yeah. Yeah. so we were, you know, we chased mm. it around and. Yeah.
1: Nice, gosh, that's uh Yeah, just think of the, you know, I mean, some of the stories you could, we could probably talk uh, all night here. with. You know, oh yeah. Stuff you...
2: Well, you know, years ago I wrote that book called Fly Fishing Great Waters, uh-huh. my, my hardbound coffee oh, yeah, table yeah, book, right, yeah. and it's full of stories and That's trips, right. and it's pretty much my journey in okay. my life up to that point of when, when you know, when I did the book, yeah. And I worked on it for like two years, two, oh, and I did it all longhand and all from memory. I had no notes, yeah. But I had, and I told Don, I said, well, "I better get all this down before I forget it."
1: <laughs> yeah so is so, that that books i i know um gosh I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while but is it still can you get a hold of that is yeah yeah okay. we still have some okay I'll, I'll provide a link to that as well nice um so where is uh uh you know just think about you know your website and kind of business where do you think you're going next as you you know you've we've talked a lot about where you've kind of come from you you know is this kind of uh Riding off into the the sunset, or do you have some other uh, some other things that you're going to be pulling out here?
2: Well, I have more line designs oh, yeah. and and everything that I'd like to mm-hmm. come out with, and uh, you know, if given the chance, we'll be doing that. But I'm but I'm not done yet. I love nice. this sport, and All I right. I got a feeling that I want to just keep doing it until I can. Good. You know, yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and it's fun to. I like to be on the cutting edge of new stuff. I don't want to. Actually, be a person to go to copy other people, mm-hmm. but I'd rather create and add to, or enjoyment, mm-hmm. rather than say, "Oh, that's good. I'm going to knock it off."
0: Right.
2: You know, and and uh, that's just how I am, and yeah. you know what I I like, because I think when you do that, when you contribute to anything, you, you're you feel good about it, and and I know. I know in my heart what I've done for fly fishing, and I'm very happy and proud of it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think all the, it's amazing I think the amount of fish that have been caught on, you know, on your lines or a line similar, you know, just that whole thing, of getting down to the fish. It's, yeah. It's pretty impressive. Thank you. Um, so what do you think has been, you know, over the years, kind of the, the biggest change that you've seen? kind of in, in, maybe it's, maybe it's the, the line. Do you think that's just over the years that you've been around in fly fishing kind of,
2: has there been something that sticks out as, as a big change or something you've seen? Well, I, I can safely tell you that in this day and age, uh, all of us have never had a better selection of quality rods and reels and lines and everything. I mean, everything now has reached a real high level Mm -hmm that there's a lot of good stuff out there, you know, so which makes it easier for us. And now it's just, you know, you sort out what you really like to do and what you really want to use and, uh, and then fish your style and, or, and, and there's, I mean, there's books and and look at the, the internet now. I mean, there's a lot, you can learn a lot if you, you know, if you're on there and you're asking questions Mm -hmm. and doing things Mm -hmm. and, and the research. So it's made our world smaller, made our sport, so it's more enjoyable for a lot of people. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, it's not like you. You. I mean, I love to fly fish and I love to bow hunt. I'm mm-hmm. a archer. Mm-hmm. I got into that in 1975, and we had talked earlier, uh, Dave. But mm-hmm. I, I do those sports because I personally feel I'm getting the most out of hunting and fishing. Yeah, and I was I, I was brought up in the outdoor world as you were. Mm-hmm. And and I I just thank God for that because I love it. I I think that I feel so sorry for these kids nowadays that are just using their hands and their fingers or their computers and they don't get it. They don't know what a campfire was, yeah. a marshmallow yeah. and you know, I'm having a hot dog and uh, setting up a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're missing so much of the beautiful part of this world because they're, they're not in, yeah. Just on outside doing it. It's huge. It's
1: yeah. huge. And that's, I, I was just actually writing a, a article just kind of about just kind of being a dad, you know, and the connection. And I think that's something my dad gave me, you know. I mean, all dads struggle with things, right? And he's had his struggles, but I mean, he gave me the outdoors. Yes, he did. You know, and he gave me the flight. And that's something that, you know, is to, I've had my whole life. And, you know, I think, they, like you said, some of these kids that ne- never were given that, they maybe never even. I felt
2: what it was like to, to do that sort of stuff. So. And they don't know what they're missing. Yeah. They, yeah. they really don't know. Yeah. So uh, anytime, I guess, we can expose it to some new people, it's yeah. it's a wonderful thing. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and that's what definitely this is, you know, like you were saying earlier, that, you know, this interview will be out there for people to see, you know, down the line and, you know, as they have questions. I, I'm hoping, you know, I can direct them your way if there are questions about Absolutely. And things yeah. like that. Yeah.
2: Um, Well, I've never, I've never had one person come up to me in the 46 years that I've been trying to promote the sport of fly fishing Mm -hmm. and say, I tried it and I didn't like it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's a pretty good. That is. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. 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 Nobody's come out. I tried.
1: I didn't like it. That's right. So once you get, yeah. So I guess there's things that come up, work and all that stuff that gets in the way. But yeah, once you try, you pretty much don't, you don't give it up.
2: That's, no, that's I cool. mean, I've had, I've had people come up. I tried it. I could, I didn't get anything. Yeah. And I, and I says, well, what, how are you fishing? And yeah. you know, and you asked them, yeah. and you try to give them good insight, mm-hmm. you know?
1: So have you done that, that? That gets back to more of like a, uh, kind of mentoring uh, guiding. You never really got in that specifically, right? I mean that, that whole, but I you... did for three years. Oh, you did. Okay.
2: Yeah. We were licensed guides. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, actually Donna and I, and my brother-in-law walk here and we got, we got guides license okay. and I got a feeling it was like 85, 86, 87.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and, but I never fished when I guided. I never did unless somebody really insisted or asked you, but I never did. I, cause if there was a fish out there to hook, I didn't want to hook it. I wanted them sure, to, hook it,
1: sure.
2: you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so finally I told Donna, I said, Guy, you know what? I like to fish too much. I better save this for the real guides. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? right. I mean, we had a, we had a hundred percent, whether we went for bass, bluegill, trout, salmon, steelhead. We always had our, our customers catch fish huh. or hook fish. Oh uh-huh. you know? yeah. And so, uh, but it was just the idea that I, I just missed fishing. Yeah.
1: You know, Yeah, that is the hard, that is yeah. hard, to, hard to do. Um, so I just got a couple more questions here before we wrap up. And I, you know, I get a lot of people, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of the West Coast because, mm-hmm. you know, we're out here with, you know, steelhead and salmon. But there's a lot of, you know, steelhead, there's a lot of passionate people in like the Great Lakes area that are targeting steelhead and salmon over there as well. And I'm not sure, have you ever hit that area much? Okay. That,
2: that's the article. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, this article. Oh, so. no, I, I started going to the Great Lakes back in the late 70s, okay. so I think it was 78, and uh, fished the PM, the Pier Marquette Okay. In in uh, Michigan, <clears throat> and then I've uh, I've been back there many times, and I fished all the way. You know, I fished um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois. Um, uh, uh, let's see, not Indiana, but I fished New York and Pennsylvania, and then Ohio. So I fished all of those. This is this is my personal opinion. The best states are Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York. Uh-huh. The further, you know, and that's like yeah. Ontario and Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. And, and the fishing is uh, phenomenal. And I do remember what it was. I landed 22 browns mm. uh, one day with the mini tip on our teeny nymphs mm-hmm. on uh, Sandy Creek in upstate New York. And they range from 5 to 12 pounds. Mm. Yeah. It wow. was just an amazing yeah. day, you know, on a little tiny creek, and here are these great big browns, and it was yeah. it was pretty cool. Wow. And the steelhead runs in Elk Creek and Walnut Creek in Pennsylvania uh-huh. are phenomenal numbers, wow. like what we used to have out here. Yeah.
1: And are you fishing? The techniques or similar to what you'd be doing yeah. out here for Same steelhead. Same thing. Same thing. Users.
2: Just a little bit smaller stream, yeah. so you know you uh, uh, you wouldn't. What well, we fished was the mini tip and a T-130 or a T-200. Okay. So we didn't need to go to 300s, 400s, 500s, yeah, any of that. because it just, just wasn't that much water. They didn't have an, uh, as much current flow. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Um,
1: so if you had one uh, fish species to target tomorrow, anywhere in the world, what, what, would, it, what would you be going for?
2: Tarpon. Royal. Yep. You know, uh, back in, uh, I think it was probably 79, probably, 79 or, yeah, it would have been. I get a call from our friend Chris who lived in uh, uh, Denver, and he goes, hey, i got a friend here who wants to come out and steelhead fish with you. He says, his name is Billy Pate. I didn't know who Billy Pate mm-hmm. was and at that time, you know. And, um, and so anyway, I talked to him on the phone and says, come on out, we'll go fishing. So I took him out, took him on to Washington, and we caught some beautiful summer steelhead. And then uh, he wanted to go to the Deschutes River. Well, Steve Dorn had a jet sled. Oh, yeah. And I, so I, I Steve, there's this guy here. His name is Billy Pate, and he wants to go fish at Deschutes. And I says, and I want to go archery hunting. Because I was one, oh, you know, and he goes, I'll take him. So Steve took him, and they got fish, had a great trip. So Billy invited us to go down. Tarpon fishing. Well, long story short, um, we didn't know what, hardly knew what a tarpon was anyway. Hmm. So uh, so one day Steve and Lynn are home and television's on and Lynn says, hey, you remember that guy you took fishing, that Billy Pate you took uh, for Jimmy to the Deschutes? Yeah. He's going to be on American Sportsman Tarpon Fishing. Hmm. Steve, Steve sat down, watched that program. Called me up, and, he, and this is exactly the conversation. All I got to say was hello, you know, when I yeah. answered the phone. And Steve goes, I just watched Billy paid tarpon fishing on American Sportsman. I'm calling him, we're going. And he hung up the <laughs> phone, and he hung up the phone just like that. So then <laughs> that's how we got into tarpon, and Billy, I got my first tarpon with Billy, which was quite an honor huh? and privilege for me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, and then we fished with him for three years running and that we always became lifetime friends. Yeah.
1: You know. Good deal.
2: Yeah. I had a great, a great teacher. Yeah. And a great friend there.
1: So I guess I just had one other question and this is kind of a uh, business related, you know, so if you had somebody that was getting in was, you know, like you're saying, there's a, there's a lot of online, I mean, you can start a business tomorrow online, right? I mean, you can, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of stuff you can do out there. And a lot of people, you know, there's people that are interested in fly fishing and, you know, they maybe want to get started. What would you tell somebody that's just getting started? They they're passionate about fly fishing and they want to try to start a business. What would be, you know, just kind of a general word of advice for somebody. I mean, what's, you've been in business a long time, right? I mean, what, yeah, what, it's what, been a,
2: it's been a long run. Yeah. It's, it's tougher now though. Yeah. You know, it's not like when I first got in and, and we had the river runs through it, right? the movie and all that. Yeah. So, so it was a big wave. Uh, but but the, there, it's still there. I mean, the industry and the sport mm-hmm. and the passion is still there. So people uh, uh, periodically will ask me that question, mm-hmm. and I and I tell them I think the the way to get started is to either kind of work at a fly shop mm-hmm. and or. Be, uh, become a, a good photographer mm-hmm. and then start be, uh, becoming writing articles and getting those out and getting yeah. your name known a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's yeah. a good stepping stone. So like yeah. you, people will say, well, okay, um, I would like to be a manufacturer's rep, you know, yeah. and, and that's a hard deal to get in there yeah. to be a good manufacturer's rep. And, and you have to, uh, establish your credibility with people and that can take a long time well it's the same thing in in writing Mm -hmm. but um but those are stepping stones and become a manufacturer's rep um i don't know it's a little bit more competitive now people aren't you know if they got a good line and they're they're staying there they're not moving yeah so
1: yeah no that's a great i think about myself getting into it it's been you know, it's definitely not easy, but I think, again, it comes back to, like you are saying, you know, building those relationships and just connecting, yeah. networking and connecting with people. And, if, you know, you can't, and that's kind of the weird thing about the whole online space is that, you know, you're back here just on your computer, right, behind this computer. Yeah. But you still have to get out there and connect with people. You know, I mean, even online. You do. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. So I think the more you do, you know, the more yeah. of that you do.
2: But if it, if it's your passion, I'd say pursue it. Yeah yeah
1: yeah good alright Jim well that's uh, that pretty much covers the other I wanted to I think thank you Dave. again there's a bunch of things we could kind of follow up on but maybe we'll hold that for while, another. yeah down the
2: line. I'll, I'll be up for it okay yeah it's been really great to see you yeah and I enjoyed this thank you yeah I appreciate you taking the time
0: so there you have it. If you want to find Jim, go to JimTeeny.com. And if you want to find the show notes for this episode, go to wetflyswing.com and search for Jim Teeny. Thanks again for stopping by and uh, taking a listen today. I really appreciate uh, you hanging around and I hope to see you or talk to you very soon. I'll catch you on the flip side.